The Supreme Court today ruled that abortion is completely a private matter to be decided by mother and doctor in the first three months of pregnancy. The 7-2 ruling to that effect will probably result in a drastic overhaul of state laws on abortion. Specifically, the court today overturned laws in Texas and Georgia and ruled the government has no right to enter into a decision which should be made by the mother and her doctor. During the second three months of pregnancy, it ruled, a state may regulate abortion procedures, but only to ensure the safety of the mother. And in the last three months, whatever state laws say prevails. Laws in 17 states may be affected by that ruling. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, June 28th. I'm talking to you today from Aspen, Colorado, where I'm about to join the Aspen Ideas Festival. Really interesting, wide-ranging conversation on issues of health, climate, democracy, and so much more. There's a couple of key conversations coming up here around democracy that I'll be really curious to hear what people are focused on, and we'll definitely share some highlights with you all next week. Also, One for Democracy this evening is going to be hosting a conversation about the intersection of democracy, reproductive justice, climate change, critical issues that are facing us and defining both the moment that we're in and also where we're headed. Of course, we're all focused right now on the Dobbs decision, the overturn of Roe v. Wade, and the reversion of abortion legislation and regulation back to the states. And that's to be expected. Even though we've known this was coming for weeks after the leaked Alito memo, it still is a massive shift in both politics, policy, and Supreme Court precedent. It's the culmination of a 50-year fight by the right to overturn Roe v. Wade. And while we know that the right to an abortion, at least in some circumstances, is supported by the vast majority of American people, we also know that we have failed to see the protections for abortion enshrined into federal law, which led us to this point today. As we think about the future of Roe v. Wade and of abortion and of what comes next, we have a lot that we're juggling. We're looking at the questions of, will it impact the midterm elections? We're also looking at, what is the implication for the Supreme Court? What is the implication for privacy rights? What is the implication for our politics? Let's start first with the implications. The biggest piece is the question of, what happens next? Over a dozen states have trigger laws that have already gone into place. Another several are coming into place over the next few weeks once they meet the certain triggers and notifications by the attorney general or the governor or legislative session. Several have been blocked already by court actions in Louisiana and Michigan and elsewhere. And so we're going to now see a range of state-level litigation no longer able to use Roe v. Wade as the precedent to overturn state abortion bans or regulations. Instead, they're going to have to look at state-level constitutional protections You also see things like ballot measure moving forward in Michigan to enshrine the right to choice into the Michigan Constitution takes new relevance given this decision that's just come out. There's also a lot of conversation around the implications from the court itself and where's the court going. We see the potential threat to restrict LGBT rights, contraception access, and interracial marriage. And while Kavanaugh, in his concurring opinion, said that the Dobbs decision isn't precedent to overturn those other protections. Thomas has said he favors revisiting the earlier cases, and many people feel it's only a matter of time that a far-right emboldened court that actually outvoted Supreme Court Justice Roberts and didn't go with his kind of of middle-of-the-road 
approach is also signs of what's to come. When we look forward to what's to come, also not just LGBT rights, contraception, interracial marriage, fundamental rights that are hinged on the right to privacy, but also what else is coming from the court overall. The court has agreed to hear two cases challenging affirmative action, one looking at race-based admissions at a public university, the University of North Carolina, and one at a private university at Harvard. Now, many people might have expected before that you would have seen a conservative court like this strike down those particulars, but using more of the Roberts narrow regulations to approach to strike them down. Instead, now the questions are, might you see the conservative court strike down affirmative action overall? Similarly, the case moving forward around the challenge to Alabama's congressional map of how it packs so many black voters into a single congressional district is also moving forward. Will this be the next blow against the Voting Rights Act, or could it be something more severe, turning back regulation of so much of our election administration back to the states? We're also looking at questions around business regulation, in particular around climate policy. And we've got the EPA ruling, but even more There's a case coming up in October about the Clean Water Act. We could again see major blows from the Supreme Court to the right for the federal government to regulate commerce around climate. So lots of big questions that are being raised around the implications of this. And of course, we can't fail to talk about the implications of this decision on the midterms themselves. Right now, there's outrage. You're seeing mobilization both by state campaigns and federal campaigns, naming and focusing on abortion. You see most Republicans trying to basically skirt away from it, unless they are in a very, very conservative district themselves. Most Republicans would rather stay focused on inflation, they'd rather stay focused on gas taxes. Most Democrats are trying to use the conversation around choice to shift the conversation back to a question and a debate about rights. Whether that will play out, remains to be seen. We have a bunch of primaries coming up today, so we get a first test. You know, what's happening in Colorado, Illinois, Mississippi, New York, Oklahoma, Utah, Nebraska. You've got a lot of intense Republican primaries. Really, again, another round of tests around who's the Trumpiest. We've also seen in some high-profile races, most specifically the Illinois governor's race, Democrats trying to boost the Trumpian Republican candidate in hopes that he wins because they think he'll be an easier candidate to beat in the general election. So we'll see a first round of indications of the impact of this decision today in the primaries. But the bigger question is how long will it last? What's the attention look like? Speaking of attention, how quickly the nation has moved on from gun violence as a primary focus. Just looking back, Supreme Court, we had another big decision that basically got missed or didn't really resonate. In a 6-3 ruling, the Supreme Court struck down a century-old law in New York that required people who wanted to carry a concealed handgun in public to demonstrate a need to do so. They've struck that down, and it's not just an issue of what's happening in New York, but California, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, all have similar laws that they're going to be forced to rewrite. And more broadly, what it means is you're going to see another round of litigation all over the country around gun rights because they see a new Supreme Court that will be more amenable to supporting gun rights than before. We also saw President Biden sign a bipartisan gun reform package into law that also failed to get much attention. It's the first real gun reform legislation to pass Congress and be put into law in decades. And it followed high-profile mass shootings, of course, in New York and Texas that we've talked about. But those are just two of 293 mass shootings in America so far this year. 
The Senate passed that bill with 15 Republicans joining all Democrats. In the House, 14 Republicans joined Democrats to pass it. So it was really, you know, steps towards bipartisan support in both chambers. But it was pretty focused, right? It was focused on trying to keep guns out of the hands of people who are most likely to commit violent crimes. So enhanced background checks for people 18 to 21, money for red flag laws, closing what's called the boyfriend loophole, where if you're convicted of domestic violence against a spouse or a child, you have a five-year hold on getting a handgun. But now if you are convicted of domestic violence against a romantic partner, it also applies. Also clarifying the definitions of gun dealers and cracking down on straw purchasers, illegal trafficking. But part of why it hasn't gotten attention was that it's been dwarfed and outshone by other political issues. But also it didn't include the big two reforms that most people have been calling for when they're looking at cracking down on gun violence and particularly mass shootings. It didn't include a ban on assault weapons and it didn't include universal background checks. So the fight continues on both fronts, but remains really an open question of what will happen next. Similarly, when we think about what happens next and the length of the American attention span, G7 leaders are meeting to talk about what's happening in Ukraine. They're preparing for another big commitment to Ukraine and talking about what their long-term plans to support Ukraine's pushback against the Russian invasion will look like. But you are seeing a decline in American support for Ukrainian intervention and support. And so there's a question, how long can we keep it up? How long will people be willing to take drastic action to support Ukraine? Will the unity in Europe endure? These are the questions we have to think about, not just for what's happening now, but what's happening over the next few months and what's happening over the next several years. So that's what I'm thinking about. Those are the key things I wanted to review with you about what's going on in American democracy this week. I'm Jason Franklin, and I look forward to talking with you again next week on 10 Minutes on Democracy.